Mrs. Troublefield, would you please call the roll? Mr. Barley? Here. Mr. Collins? Here. Mr. Fritz? Here. Dr. Hattier? Here. Mr. James Hudson? Here. Mr. Layfield? Here. Mr. Peden? Here. Dr. Statler? Here. Mrs. Wright? Here. This is the regular board meeting for the month of January, and we do have a quorum. Would everyone please rise for the presentation of colors? may be seated. <coughs> Item 104 on the agenda this evening is Indian River Student Government. Good evening to all. A lot of good news is coming from our school this month. Starting with our winter sports, wrestling is off to a great start as they defeated Milford, which is the number one in state, and they became undefeated in the Southern Conference. Boys basketball are winning nine to four, girls basketball five to seven. Our swimming team is having a really strong season as they are winning seven to one. And lastly, our cheerleaders are supporting our wrestling and basketball athletes by cheering, them, by cheering for them at their games. The underclassmen are preparing to take the SAT and PSAT in April. Good luck to all. Moving on to our music department, there will be a multicultural concert in February 21st. We invite you all to come. All the students who tried out for all state chorus got in. For junior All-State Band, Gus Fadden got first chair as a baritone. For senior All-State Band, Sean Wilson got first chair as a trombone, and Kathleen Carter got second chair as a mallet. In addition, all students who tried out for junior county band got in, and the senior county band auditions are tomorrow. So congrats, for, congrats to all and good luck. 
Just as of this year, the stage tech class is being taught by Mr. Moeller, and its purpose is to assist other schools with their holiday concerts. So far, they have helped Lord Baltimore and John M. Clayton with their holiday concerts. Thanks to Mr. Moeller and his students for the time and effort. Off to our club activities. Student council members are going to start tutoring kids at JMC in different categories, such as music, arts, and STEM subjects. Also coming up in the next month, state conferences for BPA, FFA, TSA, and HOSA. Good luck to all of our contestants. The student of Indian River is taking roles to help out in the community and leaving an excellent reputation for our school and pride. One of these activities is Night to Shine, hosted by the Tim Tebow Foundation and will take place on the 9th of February. Night to Shine is an unforgettable prom night experience for people with special needs. A big number of IR students are helping out in this and as they did last year. The job shadowing program is also giving the student of IR an excellent feedback from the community. Students have shadowed in many different locations such as John M. Clayton Elementary School, Atlantic General Hospital, and soon BB Hospital and Sussex County Paramedics as they shadow a professional in their area of interest. And for the highlight of this month, Indian River High School is, is testing out a pilot as the administration is allowing students to use their cell phone and electronic devices only at lunchtime. So far, the pilot is, giving very, is going very well and students are pleased with this trial. Thank you for listening to me tonight and have a great night. All right. Thank you very much. Need a motion to approve the agenda for this evening's meeting? So moved. Seconded. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Need a motion to approve the regular meeting minutes and the executive session minutes of the December 18th meeting? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Special recognition, Mr. Steele. Yeah, Mr. Barnett, please join me at the podium. This evening we have two special recognitions, both in the area of the arts. Uh, tonight we're going to be recognized as the Junior All-State Chorus and the All-State Choir. And I will tell you in both instances, students have to uh, usually drive somewhere at the mid-level of the state or upstate and they actually have to audition in order to be considered uh, to be on the All-State program. This evening we'd first like to recognize, uh, recognize Junior All-State Chorus from Subbyville Middle School, Kayla Jackson. Next, we'd like to recognize the All-State uh, Choir from Indian River High School, Grace Furman, 
Jude DeBage, Kathleen Carter, Amber Schaefer, Abby Wilson, and Kennedy Butch. Next item on the agenda is for public comment. The board allows 15 minutes at the beginning and the ending of each regular scheduled board meeting for anyone in the audience who wishes to make a public comment. Each person has three minutes and the timer will be done by Mr. Steele. We have four people who have signed up and the first speaker would be Rod Dufour. Rod Dufour, uh, representing First Baptist in Georgetown, Delaware, and uh, we have no problem. We just want to let you know we're praying for you guys. We know that you have uh, big decisions to make, challenges, and uh, we just want to let you know our folks do pray for each one of you. And also, we, we're proud of our Sussex County. My wife and I and family moved here about mm, 41 years ago. I know some of you for many years, and you've been so consistent. And uh, again, we want to thank you for willing to uh, do this and because uh, the decisions you make will affect our children for a long time. God bless each one of you. I'd like to have a word of prayer. That'd be right. Father, we thank you <clears throat> for this opportunity to meet together. Lord, I just want to thank you for a free country we have, that folks could come together like this and uh, speak out their grievances or their, <clears throat> their uh, things that just bother them, whatever, or things they need, and, and a board here that's willing to listen and uh, challenge to, to help and do things. And Lord, we just pray you'll give them wisdom and direction. And may they look to you, Lord, and thank you again for our country. And, and uh, Father, for especially Sussex County here, I pray your blessing upon each one of them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Ginger Palmer. Good evening. My name is Ginger Palmer, and my son is a student here at Indian River. 
Because of his desire to play volleyball, I am here tonight to bring to the board's attention the interest we have at IR in forming a boys volleyball team. An interest meeting was called at the school Friday by the athletic director and it showed an overwhelming and genuine, genuine interest by our students. I believe there were 30 to 40 names on the list. I am asking that you give serious consideration in helping us in starting a boys team here this spring. We have had a girls team here at IR for many years and it's been very successful. Let's give our boys the same and equal opportunity. Volleyball has been growing at an incredible rate in the United States over the past decade. Volleyball is not only an athletic sport with healthy benefits, it's a cerebral game as well. It helps kids build relationships on and off the court, improves communication skills, and builds mental focus. Many colleges offer volleyball programs and recruit players across the country. Let me tell you why I believe a male team can be, begin easily here at IR with little financial assistance from the district. Equipment purchase is not necessary. We already have the equipment needed from the girls team that we have here at Indian River. We have three coaches who are willing to volunteer their time to coach the boys team. We have a monetary sponsor for the uniforms. The only remaining expenses this team would incur would be transportation and officiating, which would require the district's help. I feel this is a minimal request. Boys volleyball would be a positive addition to the sports program here at IR and would move our school in the right direction for our male athletes. Please help us make this happen. If any board member would like to discuss this further, please feel free to get my contact information from the school secretary and please help our kids. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Jim Barnes. Hello, school board members. Uh, my name is Jim Barnes. I am the current head coach of the girls volleyball team. And first, I'd like to say thank you for a previous decision that you guys made about three years ago about having a uh, middle school volleyball team for the girls. Uh, that one decision was partly um, uh, helped in having such a successful year that we had in our volleyball team last year, going 14 and one, winning the South End Open Conference, uh, top 10 in the state. And now we have a lot of respect from other schools that know about our volleyball team as well as other, um, I've heard other girls that actually want to come to Indian River because of the volleyball team. So now I'm here representing those boys and about 30 others that keep coming to me and saying, why can't we play volleyball? One of them even wants to dress up as a girl, asked me if he could dress up as a girl and basically change his gender so he could play on the volleyball team. And when I say, yeah, you're joking, he says, no, I'm not joking, I'm serious. And so I said, no, you can't do that. But um, so, the, the boys want to play. <clears throat> we have the players. We have the facility. Uh, we have the equipment already because of the girls' volleyball team. We have three coaches that are willing to uh, spend their time doing it. Of course, they want to get paid if that's possible, but if not, they're willing to volunteer their time, including myself. Uh, we have other teams to play. Delmarva Christian has a team. Um, a local, I know Cape Henlopen's considering getting a team. I've heard other Southern Conference teams starting it. But there are 10 teams right now in the state. There's money available from the Coaches Association to start new teams. So they, are, they would like us to have a new team. And it's a boys club team, by the way. They're all club teams at this point until they get enough, which I think is 16, where they can become a DIA team. They're hoping to have 12 teams this season. We would be one of them. Um, 
IRA uniforms, we'd love to have IRA uniforms, but if not, we have already someone that said, I will donate the uniforms to them. Uh, we need referees. I actually talked to a referee Friday night that said, I'll come referee a match for free. Uh, not that they want to do that. I don't even know if they'll be allowed to do that, but we have people that would support this. We would need transportation, uh, but I know <clears throat> from talking to some of the kids and the parents, we could find transportation. Um, I actually have a list here, or a sheet here, which I can pass out if you wanted to, of the reasons to have a boys volleyball team. This was actually created by one of the coaches up north, um, part of the, the Delaware volleyball, uh, boys volleyball uh, committee. Um, I don't have time to go into it now, but in short, I just ask you to consider the team um, with hopes of approval this year. That would be our goal, is to have a team this year so we can get started. Um, that's the main goal. I know we could have uh, at least four matches. 20 seconds. We can have 10. So I know we can have at least four. I've already talked to Delmarva Christian, one there, one down here. We go up north, a school from north comes down here. I've already had that taken care of. But I was also told that we could have about 10 matches if we get approval. So Time. thanks for considering it. Okay, thank you. Michael Barnes. Hello, um, I'm Michael Barnes. I'm a student at Indian River High School, and I'm here for the boys' volleyball team. I've been a manager of the girls' volleyball team for three years, and I've been told I can't play on the girls' team. Both of the calls I'm interested in attending have a boys' volleyball team, and I would love to be able to play there. There is plenty of boys' interest um, to have this approved, and if you could please approve this by this spring to have a boys' volleyball team, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience who wishes to make a public comment? Okay. School applications, Mr. Lewis. Good evening. On board docs tonight, you will find a total of nine school choice applications. Uh, these applications are for students and their families who have moved outside of the, the building attendance territory, and they are asking to return to that particular building. These applications have been reviewed by the building principal and also Superintendent Steele, and we are asking for the board to accept these particular applications, a total of nine. I'd like to make a motion that we accept the superintendent and principal's recommendation. Okay. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Lewis. Old business, first item, certificate of necessity. Mr. Steele. I have spent uh, about the last two and a half, three weeks uh, working on uh, projections up through the um, 2024 school year. I've used a lot of the same models I've used in the past, um, one, one being a, a linear regression model, one being one of attrition of moving kids through. Uh, to, I'd like to bring your attention, if you would, to the, I believe, the second attachment. You have the projected enrollment data, 2018 to 2024. That data will give you a very good indication, uh, particularly at the secondary level numbers. Uh, those numbers, I simply uh, throughout the, the attrition of going through the school year and dropping off uh, the senior class, 
adding in the kids coming up and moving across, utilizing linear regression line and uh, basic areas of growth for the elementary schools. If you take a look at that chart, we're going to hit 11,000 about 2019. We're going to uh, gradually, actually we'll hit 11,000 in 2018, but if you take a look starting in 2019 all the way through 2024, particularly at the um, secondary level schools, and you're going to notice a pretty substantial increase. The one thing I did not factor into the secondary schools uh, with this increase, did not factor growth in terms of students coming in from the outside. I wanted to try to get uh, you know, a very clear uh, number of a minimum of where we, we feel we would be, and that's what the, the numbers look like. Calling your attention uh, to both of the northern middle schools, Sussex Central High School. You've got a couple of the elementaries in the north. Um, uh, actually, all the elementaries in the north uh, are going to be increasing. Long neck, the way it looks like, what has, a, has the potential to be over 1,000 students by 2024. Um, you take a look at the south, you're also seeing growth. Uh, particularly at Selbyville Middle School, if you take a look at their numbers, they're projected to hit over 800 in, in about four years. Uh, these numbers are going to require us to do a couple things. We are going to have to take a look at a permanent solution, and I do believe in some cases we're going to have to take a look at you know quick solutions that we can house kids quickly if we need to until we can come up with a plan on what we need to do uh, to, to have the building capacities to take care of these numbers. I've worked these numbers through about three different times just to make sure uh, we're, we're exactly where we need to be. And talking with the high schools, um, using year of graduation instead of grade level, just because sometimes you have at the high school level kids who are juniors that will still set to graduate, and if you use the grade level, you won't necessarily pick those kids up. So I, would, I think these numbers are as accurate as I'm going to get um, up through the next seven years. And I thought that would be a, a, good, um, a good model to look at and start the discussion on what we need to do. And I think it's, I think it's multifaceted. I think we need, we're gonna obviously need to look at, at, at new buildings or renovations or additions. I think we're also gonna have to look at school attendance areas. And, and maybe moving some school attendance areas somewhere along the line so we can equal out, particularly at the elementary levels. Um, the middle school growth is concerning uh, a little bit, and as, as long as we continue to grow at the elementary level, it's just gonna push the middle school numbers higher. Some of the things that concern me, uh, areas like Millsburg Middle, you have very little room for growth. East Millsburg Elementary, same thing, we have, we have added additions to the point where we have no further land there to add additions to. Um, if you look at Sussex Central High School, and you, if you're thinking of, of building a high school or renovating a school for 2000, by the time you get through, get approvals and, and do that, you're gonna be at or above capacity. So there are some decisions that are gonna have to be made, uh, I think probably in the, in the relatively near future, on what we're gonna do and how we're going to address this issue. When do we have to have um, the information to the state in order to make the, this year? If we wanted to get on, an, on an anything in June, we would have to have um, CNs, I think, and I, and I have Jan Steele here, I believe it's by the 26th 
usually of August. Uh, they have to be turned in to uh, DOE. And at that particular point, they review them. And usually they came back, I think, in about November uh, well, with the results. For, well, that wouldn't be for this budget year for us. Now, we're about a year behind. We had anticipated, um, and I'll, I'll kind of jump ahead a little bit, we were anticipating a little bit of um, bond money being released in January, and we were hoping to be able to jumpstart a little bit on our NS project. Uh, that is not going to happen. There's not going to be bond money issued for anything new uh, in January. So we're going to be at least a year behind, you know, going to ask for this. And, and keep in mind, looking at the, the condition of the state, if you had listened to the governor's address the other day, it wasn't the gloom and doom we heard last year. Still a concern, but the, the outlook does not look as severe. But I do think that, that, that the board uh, and administration, I think we need to work together with the community and we need to develop the plan that's going to work for us and then we can start the process if we decide to go in a direction of CNs. Anyone have any questions? No, we seem to talk around it. <clears throat> Mr. Steele, I think the numbers for the public to hear is <clears throat> jumps right out, to, right out at you, the white elephant in the room. Sussex Central High School's capacity is 1,500 students. That's correct. We were above capacity, obviously, in 2017, in 2016, in 2015, and it's getting nothing but bigger. <clears throat> and we've not moved forward with correcting that situation so I apologize <clears throat> but it's it's the white elephant in the room uh, we've got to discuss we there's been conversations about you know possibly a, a new middle school and then renovations but you, you're talking huge renovations if you're trying to fight a number to house 2,000 students you, you, I don't I don't think I just think it's something we need to discuss but you're talking on adding on 33% of what you already have in your school. I'm, I'm, I'm not a builder by profession, but common sense has landed me to where I am today. I think we really need to hold conversations about building a new high school. Renovating and adding on to something to increase it by 33% of its total capacity, and then the disruptions that go with it, we really need to start having these conversations because we kind of ramp up and then back down again. And uh, I just I think it's important that we hold these conversations. I think it's great we're looking at the, the middle school numbers and some of the different numbers in the different schools. But right now, the elephant in the room is we three years we've been over capacity for the high school. We continue to do nothing but talk, and we're not fixing this uh, as, a, as, as a board. We're not addressing that. And I know it's multifaceted with different schools, but and we talk, give a good recap, but let's talk numbers. We are 1,500 capacity. Sussex Central High School, we're at 1,634. If we broke ground in 2018 with a shovel, I don't think the school would be done until 2020, 2021, if we were moving forward at any speed, and then we're 1,800. We keep adding students, adding students. We're over 2,000 students by 2024. So I, I think it's important that the public, we've got to make a bid to the public for them to support the referendum, but we really need to see the numbers that are out there. We're over capacity right now, and I think it's great, the program that was just presented by volleyball, I'm in favor of sports for kids. It keeps them out of trouble, all kinds of things. I love it. And it would be great to bring kids into the district for sports. Sussex Central doesn't have that opportunity now because we've got to tell these students, no, we're at capacity. 
So we kind of look at fairness across the board. We're not able to choice kids in because we don't have the room for them to help with athletic programs. So it's, it's multi, multifaceted. I think it's great lock and step with another conversation about recruiting kids into our school. We can't do that at the high school right now because of our numbers. So just, I think it's an important conversation to have. It seems like when we bring up the certificate of necessity in school, we just get a couple questions and then we walk away from it. We can't walk away from it anymore. This board's got to start really holding conversations to move forward. We were divided with the last referendum. I'd like to move forward in a positive step, getting everybody on board and seeing what we can get to produce a product to the public that they can buy into and be proud of what we're doing with our district. But they need to see the numbers. We got schools that are at over capacity right now. And if we do nothing, then our middle schools are still going to bust. If we can create an opening in the school, high school to a middle school, for instance, and then build a new high school, then you might be able to redevelop some of these lines and clear things up and add more rooms for elementary schools and middle schools. I, I put the school capacity report in. I thought it would be a report you could take a quick look at. And if you go to the last column, we set our school choice at 90%. If you go to the last column, the, the only, this is next year, the only schools that we currently have open that have available space, we have uh, quite a bit of space at Phillips Howe. We have about 14 available seats at JMC. Um, GW Carver, Howard T. Ennis are specialty schools uh, where we house, we, we have our uh, TOTS program uh, at the GW Carver uh, camp program. These schools, um, Actually, the, the, the Carver could be, would be more if I put my TOTS numbers in, uh, the total number of kids. If you look at your middle schools, all three of your middle schools will be closed. Uh, SDSA will be open. However, I caution you, that does not mean we have room to bring extra kids in. It just means that the building is comparable for that size. But keep in mind, we also have part of that building in central office. The high schools will both be closed. So to give you an indication, at 90, this, this, this number of buildings we have are going to be at 90% or above capacity. And if you take a look down, we have a few. I know East Millsburg is one, Central. Uh, we have some schools that are over 100% capacity. And, and these, are, these are things. But I think, I really think that if we, if we get together to take a real good solid look of, of what we need to do and how we can do it, what sort of things we could do that are what I, I want to say cost neutral, because basically it wouldn't cost, but looking at things we can do to also balance kids out in our district. I understand with, with parents and, and with students, sometimes you know, the north-south part might not want to move across, but moving within boundaries of schools in the north or even in the south, of moving some boundary lines to include kids. Now, one thing I'm going to have available, uh, Mr. Lewis informed me this morning, and he had communications with a gentleman this weekend who has access to all of the building in Sussex County. Uh, the uh, gentleman uh, who he talked to told him that the, if he stopped work today, he would have enough work for the next seven years to keep everybody hired on his staff. So Sussex County is going to grow. Uh, he informed Mr. Lewis that he could obtain numbers of building in the Indian River School District to give us an idea development-wise of how much growth we're going to have with new developments and, and areas of people to move in. So those stats would be interesting to look at as well. All right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we spent the part, better part of about two years trying to figure out what we were going to do. And part of the reason that we did not move forward had to do with um, the state essentially telling us they weren't going to be giving us any more bond money, which 
I would just like the record to reflect that we have made a serious effort over the last couple of years to resolve this. And when the state tells you we're not giving you the money to do it, at some point it does not become our problem, it becomes theirs. We do have to go to a referendum, and the referendum, even for what we did, was um, quite contentious. Um, you know, we have to get the public to where they understand this as well. But we did spend two full years looking at this. And a lot of us made meetings every month for a very long time period to try and work it out, only to be told again by the state, we're not giving you the money, so it really doesn't matter. All right, I, I appreciate, you know, Mr. Uh, Layfield expressing it eloquently, but we have been trying. They wanted us to prioritize our list, and that's where we... Prioritize, I think we did that. I think we prioritized the list by looking at what it was. I, I deeply respect and appreciate all the people who came out and showed us what the growth was going to be. I welcome the new addition. I think that, that would be something we could certainly use. Um, but, you know, we had done an awful lot of this groundwork before. Prioritizing, we're one of the fastest growing districts in, in, the, uh, in the state. Um, and basically they just said, no. Okay, so what are we left to do? I think we need pretty much everything that we decided about two years ago. Other than that, we'll still be scrambling in two more years. And as it is now, by not having done this last summer, we're already an extra year behind. And that was the goal, was to start on it last summer. Did, I apologize, Dr. Adier. Did the state tell us no, or do we prioritize? Just refresh, refresh no, we, we my were, recollection. We were basically told, if I remember right, and my memory is less than perfect sometimes, but I believe that was that there was only so much bond money available and we weren't going to get what we needed. Okay, that's yeah. correct. How Thank about, did we, did we as a board prioritize the, the uh, capital expense referendum yes. as the priority? Yes. And then the next step was certificates of necessity for the bond bill. I could think, I've, from my recollection, I think we're both worked out. Actually, we did, we did the certificates we of necessity of and we, we had the approvals, I think, for the elementary, the middle, the high school renovation. Yes, we did. Howard T. Ennis, where we did not have approvals, were LB and Philip Chow that sounds for, for additions. That sounds correct. Thank you. <clears throat> I would the, suggest the this. They, they, we weren't going to get any money, so what's the point of going to referendum if they're not going to match their part of it? You know, and with the great economy that we were left with, there weren't enough taxes coming in to fund everything as it was. I think we need to be grateful that we got Howard T. Ennis, but it does still put us a good year possibly two to three by the time everything happens, um, you know, puts us behind the gun. It really does, and it's not a good thing. I, I believe a high school and a, and, a, and a middle school, you're gonna have a year planning, yep. and you will have, they will, say, they will say they would give you two years to build, three years total. That's how they break the money down into percentages in the CN. Yep. However, realistically, not, I think when you go to a high school, I think you're going to see at least, counting your planning year, at least four years total, if so not too. longer, uh, simply because if you run into issues with DENREC or DELDOT, mm -hmm. uh, like we did our uh, 2012 referendum schools, that's, that's, that's where you get hung up on, on time. Well, I would say this, recommendation-wise, I would recommend, Mr. Barley, that, that you either reestablish the committee and we get together to start working on this to present something to the public and we can move forward. Well, I think we have to. Don't, don't misunderstand, but I, I think that we just, you know, need to drag out a lot of the information we had, update it, and go with it again. And again, the state had approved what we were trying to do, and I think that's why we opted to enlarge the, the high school rather than build a new one, because that would be quicker. And yes, it would be 
a disruption in other things, but it was a, it was a quicker way to do it, and it involved a lot less money if you count the. Uh, we went through all of this, where you add up the, the funding involved. It was less expensive to add on and simply build the other schools. Um, the numbers know. we were presented at that time, it did appear, but it was still, like I said, I'm not a builder by profession, but I was astonished at the numbers they said it would cost to transform a high school Correct. into a junior high school. But and I, I cannot fathom those numbers. Ronnie, I, I, you know, I'm a private citizen too. All I know is that when they quote us the number for an elementary school, it's significantly less per square foot than it was for a high school. Cheaper to build, yes, sir. Um, even, even adding on to it, it still worked out less expensive to add on by a long shot than it did to replace the whole school. And it didn't really matter whether we replaced the school or not. We still needed the other schools because the argument came in, were we going to put the elementary schools in with the middle school and have all those kids together in the old um, Sussex Central High School, or what are we going to do with that building? And a lot of people did not feel that that was the right kind of an environment, certainly not the way Sussex Central was built, that you could separate it out that way. With elementary school students, right? But right, the, the and with middle school, because what else are you going to do with the building that houses 1,500 people? Turn it into a middle school. And they a were 1,500 going to, student medical middle school. Okay, the research tells you that that's double what it's supposed to be. The research tells you that middle schools are 750 in order to run an effective one and get the best education. So what we're going to do now is go inner city and double it. Well, our, mid, our middle schools right now look like... Oh, I know what they look like, Rodney. Right. I know what they look like. I'm just telling you the research that we were looking at at the time said what is the ideal number for the best education for the kids who are involved. And 1,500 is roughly twice what a middle school should be. If it was solely purposed as a middle school, you're correct, sir. Right. But so why would we decide all of a sudden here in Sussex County to do a, uh, an inner city type of a school? I'm, I'm not leading towards an inner city type of... Uh, no, but the numbers would dictate that. If you solely purpose it for a middle school, but if you purposed a wing for that was central office or something along those lines. Now, your, your option was an elementary school, and we agreed that the elementary school wing would not be compatible from a middle school to elementary school. You know, I run a lot of notes in my head, Mr. Layfield, and I don't remember all of the things we talked about, okay? You know, computers nowadays, even in kids, have a hell of a lot more terabytes than my brain does built in 53, okay? But I do remember clearly that a lot of these options we ran through, and none of them really looked that terribly good. And I, I was able to fortunately make most of those meetings because it is a subject near and dear to my heart. I appreciate that we're having this conversation in public for the public. No, we need to. We, we because need to. we need to let the public know that, you know, about three, four years down the road, we're facing some pretty bad stuff. And it's going to be super crowded. But again, I want the public to understand that we made a good effort and we really worked at it hard. We involved committees as much as 50, 60 people sitting in crowded rooms and on, on uh, bookcases to go over this. And the state said no. Mr. Okay. Mr. Lafayette, so, I, yes. I understand what you're talking about, but we have a middle school, elementary school now complex. So I don't, I, I, I still think that needs to be looked at myself. Georgetown Middle, Georgetown Elementary. You have that situation now. Which is working. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I think there's, this discussion might be for another time, but I think it's worth, again, looking at.
I agree. I just I think it's nice yeah, that we're having this because we're all going to have different views, but we really, as we a board, need to continue agree. to work yeah. together to kind of figure. Because some of us, are, and I make no bones about it, I'm kind of pro a new high school, um, right. and then use the same facility that's very close to the current high school, share the fields, and then you're right. We're moving out of a 1,500 capacity school. How are we best going to utilize that facility? But uh, I just I, I know the disruption that goes on with the education if you've got construction going on consistently with that at you know your, your two flagships, your Indian River and your Sussex Central High School. So, but again, we had a lot of these meetings and we pulled people in from the public, which was great, but we didn't have open debates such as we're having tonight. So I'm, I'm happy we're spending 10 or 15 minutes to talk about it. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not questioning your recollection. You're helping me remember many of the meetings that we sat in mm -hmm. at, uh, in those crowded rooms, so. But we should be working on it. I certainly agree with that because in a couple of years from now, by 2022, if this stuff keeps up, you know, we'll be using every piece of closet space that we have to stick two kids into. Okay, and we, that's just going to happen. We might be beyond that. We might be exactly. there right now. Are we to the point of discussing three high schools? Well, it's something to be thrown out. I, I can be honest. Um, <laughs> I'll throw numbers out just, just to give you numbers. If, if you were to build a 1,200 student high school in Georgetown area, for example, you could still use both high schools. Uh, we have talked, and I'll, I'll throw this out, I don't like to use uh, the central office location as a point of focus, but we're at, at, at the total worst place we could possibly be. We need to be in the center of the district. Mm -hmm. So there are things you could do at the 1500 student high school, run two 1200s, that gets you 2400. My only concern with the 2000 is you're gonna outgrow it quickly. Yeah. And if you go there, you've got, you've got ample space. You could always uh, put a special program at the central site, for example. The IB program could stay at the central, fit the current central site. You could run your programs a little bit differently and you could have two buildings in order to operate those. That sounds um, like a lot. I, I just wonder in Sussex County, how big is too big? Well, if you go to two, and when you've 2, got 000, over two thousand, we're talking four years, four or five years down the road. We get it built; it's going to be overcrowded. I oh, that's for me. What other schools are at two thousand students? I think Caesar Rodney, William Penn, a and lot of them William Penn, I believe, are the two others. To me, you start getting a school that big. Um, you start reducing the opportunities for the kids. You can still only have one football team. You can still only have one basketball, one soccer. Your bands are a bit more flexible. You know, your choruses are a bit more flexible. But some of the others, you actually reduce opportunities for kids if the building is too big. Could you I could support a third high school. You, you can also increase opportunities, such as more sports programs or, or different things because you have more students. Yeah, but how many high schools have two football teams? But, but how about AP programs? Right now, I would say most of your schools, you don't have a choice of your AP teacher. If we keep right. increasing, you could have your, a choice in the teacher in the AP program because, because you're so large, you would offer students choices to be able to select from. Just opportunities. I mean, we've talked about, you know, back in the early 90s, there was a lot of discussion for one high school and the opportunities it would present. And uh, that school right now would be, you know, pushing 3,000 students but there's a lot of opportunities within that school for choices. But I agree with you with the sports program. The problem is they always used to say board members' kids would be on JV and never start varsity, so it would never happen. 
That was a joke you always used to hear, and that's exactly some of the problems you'd have. Rest assured, none of my kids became involved in the sports programs here. You don't have to worry about the Hattier kids. If he, we didn't I, do that. I, I would venture to say that you get a tremendous amount of support, of support if you went to a third high school because of what Dr. Hattier is saying, a lot more opportunities for kids to be involved. I, I, that's the one thing I keep hearing. We're pulling, we're pulling schools out. We're pulling schools out of our communities. We're building big schools. Why are you doing that? I mean, I, I hear that a lot. So I just throw that out to you. I think we need I to update. Third school, I think they we need to get some idea. updated numbers like and this. figures on costs. Yeah. The, when we did it before with the committee, it was with uh, an architect that, uh, uh, or a firm that, uh, you know, we always used to do business or did business with, whereas now we have another firm that we are now doing business with. I'd love to see what their numbers. Be nice to hear what they had to say. Because about before it. it was amazing. On their, according to what we had before, it cost more to renovate the high school to a middle school than to build a whole new high school. That's pretty amazing. I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. If my memory is correct, I think it was even um, more money to renovate the high school for middle school than it was to do the oh. renovation at the high school. Yeah. Those numbers didn't so add up to me. Need some updated figures, maybe from a different source too. One thing I did do, and I do want to let the board know, uh, we're not taking any action to move on this, but as a precaution, I have directed Jan Steele to look at some type of portable that we could use in, in case we get hung up and we have to have space uh, that we, and we're not going to have time to build. So we better have, we're going to have to think the whole process through. So where she's in the um, process again of just trying to price to see what, what type of cost would be out there. Should we have to add, add portables to any of our buildings? Third high school is a good topic to discuss because you're going to have to change district boundaries. And that's, that's something that's, had, that's almost been a brick wall oh, yeah. with our feeder programs in our elementary schools and our middle schools. If we say, hey, we go back to the drawing board with three different high schools, you can, you can br break down those walls a little bit when it comes to redistricting within our area. But we also are not going to be able to lose sight on elementary schools as well. No. So we're still no, you're, you're going to have high schools. You've got an elementary school. you got kids in elementary that will be coming up through the program after the ones that we're planning for now are gone when there's a new school. So to put to say we're going to do three high schools, which means another new high school, you still got to take in consideration your elementary schools and your middle schools. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's got to be, it is, be almost a thousand it's a big kids. It is it's not like going to be. It is not going to be a one school build, folks. Right. It, it, I, right. I, I personally, looking at numbers and trying to you know shuffle around, I see three, at least three. Right. And I think you're going to have to take a look at, at the south. I know we put two rooms at Selbyville Middle, but you're going to have to add more space at Selbyville Middle. It's already over capacity now. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. Um, Again, I'm, I'm going to caution you, the secondary numbers do not factor a growth in. I did not factor any type of growth pattern just because I wanted to take a look at these base numbers. So what you're seeing for the middle and high schools could actually be higher by the time we get there. So this doesn't include any kind of development or people moving in no. or anything like that? No. So these, these are your good, these are your, your, your call for me to say, look, 
these are the minimum numbers I see. That's if we just move kids through our right. system that are currently in. And not one new student doesn't come. Yeah. yeah. You know that's not going to happen. Now, the elementary is a little different, yeah. Mr. Hudson. I, I, I use rate of growth and linear regression to try to calculate those and project what they would be. Um, and some of those have really good progressions. I, I can just, development-wise, I just take a long neck, or a long neck East Millsboro. Those schools are going to grow like crazy. You're still going to have the um, North Georgetown and the Georgetown Elementary issue where you're going to have steady growth up north, but we have to have some way to, to filter off some of that pressure. And then again, going back, as you said, you look at moving some district lines around uh, for those feeder school programs. You're able to move some kids around, and, and, and now with as many developments as we have, it may be as simple as taking two developments that border to put them in another attendance school area where we can, we can move things around and try to even up those elementary numbers. And I think we could take, there's a possibility, you know some schools are, cannot, we're not gonna build some new schools, but I think we could look at the schools that we have in all the, in all the of the district and figure out if there is property there that can be added onto, taking that in consideration that if it is Philip Shaw and they need it, and I'm just using that right. example, and there's room to add on 10 more classrooms, well, that needs to be included in, in our game plan as well as new schools because you're still going to have to feed them through. True. And I think it's an important thing to remember for our friends in the press that we were told by the state that we were going to have 10,000 students in 2020. All right, so we know that their accuracy record is not so terribly good, and I would suggest that we use the numbers that Mr. Steele in the district comes up with because they've been a whole lot more accurate than what the state told us we would have. A lot of these places that are over capacity, they don't have any room left to add on to. No. I know. Well, we're saying no. that some yeah. of them don't, but if they, if them, some I mean, those of them are our most critical schools. For example, if you look at right. East Millsboro, East Millsboro is 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 yeah, the, pretty much all landlocked. Yeah, so it's, they it's can't done. go in any right. direction, right. and they and they're structurally not equipped to go up. Yeah. Right. So, so we're just going to have to take kids off there somehow. Well, what schools can we add on to is probably an answer that we need. Right. So that I like I like your thought is that hey, there's only so many schools that we have land. The ability to expand upon and just look at them because when we start redoing lines and they're they're the economically the way to do it right and that's a project that we can we can pick up and do there's only a couple of those though if i remember the maps from, from way back sussex central can be enlarged they do have the space um, they've got extra land who else lb is pretty well tapped out philip shawell has been tapped out long nick you can't selbyville a couple because more you spots maybe Sabbathville's, I, I, I know um, you might get Mr. McCready's here. You have very little, uh, uh, the I only know. room you pretty much will have at Sabbathville is going to encroach on your athletic Athletes fields in the back. So Correct. you really don't have any area to program, expand man, out. Right. So <laughs> and the chief loves the parking problem as it is now over at Selbyville. Well, I, I will tell you, space-wise, your two high yet. schools are the two places that when we, we bought land for the high schools that we have an abundance. I think you have about 168 <laughs> acres at this site. Yep. And a little bit more at Central, so you know these are, are prime sites to add if you're going to add and right. not have to get involved in buying land. And that was one of our other considerations. And the third, and the third would be what we've talked about a lot. We have Ingram's Pond. We have Ingram's Pond. Where we have land available there, we could build on there as well. Yep. 
Uh, Georgetown, I will, I will tell you, I don't think we have any available land in Georgetown. If we were to decide to go that way, we would have to look. Um, I know we're looking at Ennis. There were some uh, things that OMB had sent down to us that these were, were possible uh, locations. Mm -hmm. I'm sure up in that area, there's a lot of farmland still, and there, I think the feasibility of finding land somewhere up there. Yeah, but uh, didn't they, weren't some of those other chunks of land smaller, relatively speaking? And with the high schools, they, they did recommend X number of acres per school, and I don't remember what those numbers were off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, there's a minimum. There's a minimum number of acres 25, per school. 25, 30 acres for an elementary, and it pretty much doubled or tripled for a high school. Yeah. Something like that. I don't have those numbers in front, but I do know that there are state minimums on, on right. the it's areas in that, that range you put, anyway. put those on. Okay. Is there anyone else? Okay, next item on the agenda is uh, Howard Ennis, the new Howard Ennis. Uh, a couple things uh, that we've we've done. I did provide you this evening uh, from um, Dovetail uh, Cultural Resource Group. We did have the delineation uh, of the cemetery that was complete, mm -hmm. and it appears that the cemetery fence uh, is a clear delineation on that property. Do you want me to go ahead and talk about everything? Yeah. Okay. Uh, some of the other things that we found. Um, I had this in my other notes that I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. We have. Uh, been contacted by Dave Edgel. Dave Edgel is with uh, planning and he also works with OMB. And one of the things that we had gotten was a letter uh, dealing with the uh, property up at the, across from Sussex Central High School. Uh, they had asked for five things. Um, those th all four of those things we have uh, available. I did have to resend a letter with specific reasons as to why we feel that we could move a level four or should move a level four property over to a level two so that they could build the Howard Tiani School. That has been done and sent to Connie Holland, the director of state planning. Uh, the thing that we're currently working on right now is we're reviewing the plus committee. They want us to make a general statement. Uh, Joe has done a really good job getting the sewer water, which were two of the other things that they had requested. And I think when I take a look we just talked to the architects uh, last Friday. We had a, a conference. Last Thursday, we had a conference call, and Joe, Jan, and I were on the conference call. We were we were talking to the architects, and at that particular point in time, we were were really hoping that we would be able to get about three hundred thousand dollars from from the bond and a January bond. They could start the planning process for us, even though we didn't have the property deeded. They could still start the design of the building. However. Uh, Jan was informed by OMB that no, we do not have that money available. Uh, they were willing to work with us um, up front, but only up to a point of about three months. So there's nothing we can do on starting to design of Howard Annis until probably around April, uh, April and May. And then you know, they would work with us going through the bond bill. We do believe in the bond bill uh, coming in July 1 for next year that we would receive uh, between four, three and four million dollars. That should cover most of the planning. I think our architect fees are somewhere, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3.1 million. So we're in that process. Uh, one of the things we're working on now is the subdivision of the plot of land across from Sussex Central. Um, we have a letter go out this week to the um, DHSS, uh, Dr. Carol Walker. Uh, we have to, actually they have to do the application for subdivision. Uh, through the county and we would pay for the survey for that subdivision uh, once all that goes in uh, the david edgel's group into the land 
then we would have the opportunity to have something in epilogue language uh, in uh, late June that would transfer that property to us. I, I never dreamed it would be so difficult to transfer state property from one organization to another state organization, but it, but it is a very lengthy process, and because this is a level four property, it's the main reason it's taking so much time, because we have to sell them on the fact that this property, even though it's level four, is important enough to move to a level two so that we can build the Howard T. Anna School. So we, we anticipate within the next week to have all that documentation in. Um, hopefully, the uh, application will be put into the county. It takes five or six months through the county to get the subdivision approved and, and done. In the meantime, we can work on the uh, survey portion and hopefully have everything set and ready to go by July. Even in July, they can still transfer that land to us uh, and, and we'll still have to go through the process until we have everything approved for putting the building on the, on the property. I think Jan Steele's here, Jan and Joe. I don't believe I forgot anything. Okay, good. Anyone have any questions? No questions? Okay, thank you, Mr. Steele. ESCO Cyber League Train Energy Project, Mr. Fritz. Well, so I know we all had uh, folders, uh, binders to review and to uh, respond back to uh, Mr. Booth with any uh, questions uh, at uh, the numbers, proposals, etc. And I know that uh, Mr. Booth and uh, Representatives uh, with Cyberlick Trainer here this evening. If there's any uh, any additional questions, um, we are at a point where we need to have a vote on uh, on this issue, whether to move forward or not. And uh, really, uh, between this month and month of uh, February. So, if there's any additional questions from Mr. Booth or uh, the representatives now. Does any board member have any additional questions? Um, I would like to thank Mr. Booth uh, for arranging to have my questions answered over the snow time period. I emailed him, he called me back, got me in touch with the gentleman from uh, Cyberlick Train. We talked and uh, they answered all of my questions. I, I feel it's a good project and I think we ought to go forward. Anyone else with questions? I don't have questions. I did and had them all answered. Um, I attended most of the meetings, went through this binder, and it took a long time. Binder was very professionally put together, a lot of information. I thank you for that. Um, I do have three concerns that I don't need responded to. I would just like to verbally um, express my concerns going through that. Um, number one, uh, Mark Steele gave us this capacity report, how the population is greatly increasing. If we change the use of building, whatever it may be, change a high school to middle school, elementary school to whatever, we don't know what the future holds. In many of these contracts, if you read the fine print, that makes the guaranteed savings null and void. Um, the savings is no longer guaranteed if you change the use of that facility. So going forward, we don't know for sure what we're going to do satisfying this population increase. Um, secondly, my concern is long-term, a 20-year bond. I, I look around this room, philosophies change, board members change, superintendents change. 15, 16, 17 years from now, at best, maybe two of us would be remaining. 
if we do this the way the bond bill states, we, we upgrade all the energy efficiencies, 15, 16, 17 years from now, when we have lights hanging from wires, dilapidated, broken down, board members scratching their head asking, and why are we making these payments again? Thirdly, and lastly, and largely my biggest concern, 100% of this cost would be local funds. Burden the taxpayers. We could, if we have this big energy need, apply for a CN, Certificate of Necessity. We know that's hard to get, but we could use minor cap funds, split 60-40, where the, the state pays 60%, opposed to local taxpayers flipping the bill 100%. Um, if we have to pay 100%, that's taking a lot of the savings out of the classroom, paying back this bond bill by flipping the cost 100% when the state could possibly pick up 60% of the cost. Um, I'm a big fan of putting more money in the classroom, so in my professional, humble opinion, I oppose it. If I'm not mistaken, we're making a lot of these payments already anyway, and the idea is that by doing this the way we're doing it, that we would expect about a 10% less payment if we do this rather than what we are already going to continue to pay. So I read the same 140 some odd pages, um, and it was a daunting experience to say the least. Um, but if, if I read it correct, um, we're already going to be making the payments. So we're not taking any money out of anything that we're not already paying. Is that about right? Correct. Yeah, the entire project will be funded uh, via the energy savings. In yep. addition to that, you should see at least a 10% on top of on that. On top of that. Right. right. And, and that's what I read and understood as well. We're saving 10%, but if the state's going to pay 60% plus the 10%, we're saving 70% plus the 3.5% interest rate on this bond bill, my estimate is we could be saving 73% opposed to 10%, putting millions back into the classroom. That's assuming that the state's gonna give us more money, which we already know that they're not, because they won't fund the, the building needs that we have already. That's going the CN route. We have minor cap money available that we could use split 60, 40. They don't let us do that with minor cap though, do they, Joe? On uh, on these repairs, there would be minor cap eligible. Yeah, but minor cap Most. is what they give us, period. They don't match minor cap for us, though, do they? We match it. Yeah. We match it. Yes. So, theoretically, yes, you could go through and, and do all these right. under... Did I say that wrong, Jane? Um, so, theoretically, you could do a lot of these projects under minor cap. Um, you know, but every... When you look at it this way, every year you wait to do this, you're losing $500,000. So if you went for a CN, how long would it be until they possibly funded it? Um, how much money are you losing in the meantime for that to happen? Um, so while are there other possible avenues to get this work done? Yes. Um, if you wanted to do it under minor cap, could you do that? Yes, you could. It would be a long drawn out process and most likely you're gonna have multiple different people coming in and doing it. It's probably not gonna go in correctly and you, you're not going to guaranteed any of this savings. You're basically trying to kind of halfway do it and limp along and while it could work, 
there's no guarantee it's going to work, um, which is really why we're trying to do this. It's a guaranteed savings that, you know, there, there's no questions asked. It's a signed document that, you know, we're going to own up to. Guaranteed savings, but as I read through this, you also refer to a M&V, which is... Measurement and verification? Yes. Uh, we're paying over 500000 over a half a million for those inspections. So maybe we don't guarantee a 10% savings, maybe it's 9 or 8%, but that's still going to be more if we can save, once again, the state saving or paying 60% and not paying half a million for all these checks and balances and verifications. I don't, my personal opinion is I don't see that happening. Um, just watching the way, you know, a typical project like this comes together, there's a lot of moving parts in everything that we're getting done. Uh, to try to hire, so if you were going to try to do this yourself, you would probably most likely have to hire another third party to run all of this, which you're going to be paying them a fee. Um, you know, in, I mean, once it gets going, you're going to have multiple different contractors coming in. You're going to be hiring the low, lowest possible bid contractor in all cases. They're probably not going to get it done exactly right. And you're saying maybe you'll see eight, nine, ten percent. I don't. I, I, I doubt you so. see that, from my personal opinion. As I recall, when we were building the two high schools back around 2000, everybody pretty much agreed that we weren't being given enough money, and we weren't. And there was a big movement at that particular time period as to why don't we just wait and we'll go to the next year's legislature and ask them for, the, for more money, which is what we really need. Um, one of the things that I was arguing for at that time period was take what you can get now because you don't know what's coming later. And as I recall, the next several years after we did take the money, the state didn't give any money for new schools. So we took what we could get, and we were play faced with a problem of five or six million dollars, was it, Charlie, for the fields and the things that we were short? Okay, but we were able to get that money and bring the two projects off. Okay, if you try to rely on what the state's good wishes are, um, I think we all have a problem. But and, uh, I'm not asking to increase asking for the state, yet using our current minor cap money for some of these projects. Some of the projects, uh, if you look, have a 40, 50, 60 year payback. Is it even worth upgrading that when you're probably going to replace that half, halfway through it? So we can pick and choose what we, we want to upgrade, but once again, current minor cap money at a 60-40 split would greatly put millions of dollars back into the classroom and keeping the property taxes a lot lower, not having to flip 100% of this cost. As Mr. Booth just said, he brought up over here, basically to do all this is $7.6 million project. Um, it would all be done in uh, 12 to 18 months. If you did use minor cap funding to do that, that would be you know all of your minor cap money which is about a million dollars a year, is that? It would be about seven years worth, give or take. If and you're you also used everything, but we have other responsibilities, so double it at a minimum. So 14 years to do all this, yeah. which over time, slowly and steadily, you're going to be losing a lot more than that 60%, you know, or the 40% that the state would be kicking in. Now, I do appreciate the fact that you guys have done a tremendous amount of research, and one way or another, we get to keep those books or at least, you know, the copies of it. So we could pick and choose off of that. I will state that I'm not qualified to make all of those decisions and I have to rely on other people to do it. And as Mr. Booth pointed out, we'd probably have to hire somebody else 
to come in and review this to see what is the right thing, plus we lose the ability to buy in bulk, which to me is a good thing. I, I'm totally in favor of it. I think it makes long-term sense on a whole lot of number of different levels, and we're spending the same money uh, that we were spending before. All right, and just keep something in mind. Energy money is not money that can go back into the classroom. That's a different category, and they don't let you do that. So energy money is its own item. Joe, can I? Yeah. Just Joe. one second. Oh, I want to ask, answer something earlier. The, the measurement and verification is something that lasts through the, the lifetime of the 20-year bond, and it's included in the bond price. Yeah, the, de the debt service it's covers the 20 years of Correct. Yes. We have to pay that half a million dollars back. Which is which not in the 10 percent. Right. Understood. Right. Yeah. Okay. But that, that savings we could put back into the classroom. I'll say... Um, one of the things with the, with the measurement verification, one of the things that we see even with great projects that, you know, they make their numbers for the first few years, they start to drift. And one of the things the measurement verification does and the guarantee does, it helps make sure that the discipline stays in place to run the facilities, you know, a certain, a, a proper way. And that doesn't mean you're, you know, you're changing your temps to where they're uncomfortable. It just means that you're running things a certain way. Um, our great projects, within two to three years, we start to see them drift. And that report, and those quarterly reports and those check-ins, what they do is they give you a little scorecard that says, how come we're not doing as, as good as we were last year? And it helps you course correct so that you are making those savings. I, I, I do understand that. And I do understand the sales pitch because the company does have a great financial interest in this, correct? Oh, we want to help you uh, improve the uh, energy performance of your school. Of Absolutely. Your, your schools. I mean, we, I just, want, I just wanted to follow up something that, that Mr. Peden said. If you heard some of the discussion that maybe some of the schools would be used in a different manner, is there a problem with that and, and what projects you're going to do as long as they're still used for kids? As far as if you repurpose the building? Different grades go in different buildings or whatever. Yeah, but we, we make an adjustment for that, and that, that adjustment can be an improvement. That adjustment can be because you went from running 12 hours a day to running 16 hours a day. And so we run some calculations, work with you guys on this, and then say the you know, previous purpose was this, and here were their operating hours, and now the current purpose is four hours longer, so there should be this much more consumption. And we create the guarantee such that there's four hours more consumption in that example um, for, that, for that facility. So, so did you hear baseline adjustment through the discussion that we had earlier about, you know, different schools and adding a school or changing a school? Did you hear anything that something went off in your head that said, wait a minute here, they may be doing something that may affect this? We, um, we did a similar program a few years ago uh, with a school that was, uh, they passed a $100 million referendum on the day that we had our kickoff meeting. And they were 100% uh, into the energy savings um, to the ESCO model, uh, we're saving about a million dollars a year, and they did their hundred million dollar um, improvement on the heels of us doing our project. So, uh, so yeah, we've dealt with this before. <coughs> okay, Charlie, when we went Honeywell, that was back in what ninety five, ninety six. That was before my time. About twenty years ago. It was about twenty years ago. I mean, and we stayed with them for quite a long time period. Um, and you were on the board then. I came in way, way later, but. Um, any idea of the savings we realized from that? 10%, 15%? Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know. It's been a long time. We'd have to look it up. We'd have to look at it. But as I recall, even with the changing boards, changing buildings, and everything else, we did realize basically the savings that Honeywell said that we would. 
okay? Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason we deviated from some of that is because we started to change equipment over um, because it was all very old equipment even then. I think the, what the people on the board here don't realize, since a lot of them are new, is the shape and status of many of these buildings before the year 2000, and they were nowhere near as good as what we have now. This district has made phenomenal uh, upgrades and changes in, in a 20-year period, okay? And we did not have that back before the year 2000, certainly not before 1995 anyway, okay? And the only thing I have to go on is the historical record, which you guys know me, I'm a history guy. If I could just make one more comment as well as to, you know, your comment about 16 years ago. You know, 16 years from now, we're not going to be here. You know, the M&V portion of this, that guarantees that somebody is watching over this, you know. Right. Possibly you guys may be somewhere. At a cost, absolutely. Sure. Yes, everything has sure. a cost. On the flip side of that, you know, when, I mean, this is, this is probably kind of tough to hear, when Mr. Weir um, retired seven years ago, literally the next year, because he wasn't there to watch over, a, a new person came in to take their place and the energy usage increased significantly that year. Um, a lot of the maintenance contracts were canceled that year. Uh, you lost a lot of that oversight. Yes, you were paying a fee for that oversight, but very quickly you paid for it in energy instead of paying a small fee for somebody to watch over. That sounds right. Um, I just, if I can, uh, Mr. Barley, I want to read this uh, because I get, wanted to get an opinion from Studio Jade, who is our uh, technical advisor uh, in this, and they, they have really no dog in a fight except for they're looking out for the district's best interests. I'm going to read the second paragraph. Mr. Steele has it also, and it starts here. In any event, if the question is whether or not it is financial viable to proceed with the CyberLink train as an ESCO partner for this project, I would say yes. Uh, it's written by uh, Brian Zygman from uh, Studio J, as they have shown enough opportunity to provide you with a successful project, the understanding must be until all the financials are completed, including the bond uh, rate review and the state of Delaware OMB DFM review takes place, the final scope of the work is likely to look modestly different from the current, um, what you have before you. Um, some items may fall off, some may be item overall. I believe enough information has been provided at the interim level that you can feel confident moving to the final IGA. And that was from our, our uh, what's their official name? The rep? Independent owner's rep, which is Studio Jade. And I agree with those comments that you just read, and I do agree that we probably could save a 10% or a little bit more going with this. I firmly believe, as a financial guy, crunching the numbers, if we did it alternatively, we could save a lot more money, once again, keeping the property taxes low, putting more money into the classroom. And again, I'll repeat, you can't take energy money and put it into the classroom. Not that I'm aware of. You can put savings into the classroom. But if the money is already allocated to the tune of that amount of money, you can't deviate it. And that's what we're talking about. We're using uh, the same money already. I, I, I think you're misunderstanding. I don't think I the, am. The opportunities for grant money uh, is available as well. Correct. And I was yeah. actually just going to mention that right now, which is one of the, the real drivers right now to get a vote currently. Um, we mentioned there was some grant money. We originally thought it was going to be the tune of around $200,000. 
um, this money is not currently shown in the interim report you have. Um, our current calculations show the savings, uh, the grant to come in somewhere between three and four hundred thousand uh, dollars, but we do need buy-in before we can apply for it. The money is on a first-come, first-served basis. Uh, you know, we have all the, the forms and all the numbers worked out, uh, but we can't officially apply for it until you give us the go-ahead that, that this is a, a viable project in your eyes. So, so on a roughly seven million dollar project, if we were able to get three or four hundred thousand, uh, is a is a good good percentage of that. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So right now the total project cost is seven point six million. Uh, based on our calculations, uh, you'll see a savings of one point one million uh, over the twenty years. Um, so again, if we get that four hundred thousand dollars off, you know either it can be used for something else that you guys are looking to do within the scope to expand it, or we can just take that off the top and the project drops to seven point two. And, and just to be clear for by that is just one-time grant money. Correct. Yes. This yeah. is get paid out as the project happens. There is an opportunities, you know, the project's going to take a couple of, how, how long, again, refresh my memory, how long? We actually estimate we'll, we will move pretty quickly on this project, uh, somewhere between 12 to 18 months okay, once we get going. Okay. Uh, also, the any savings recognized during the construction year, um, you will realize 100% on your end. So if we can save you two, three hundred thousand dollars in energy savings that first year, that doesn't go to paying back anything else. That's just gravy for you guys, for the district. So the the grant money would be above and beyond what was talked yeah. about at the last uh, buildings and grants meeting. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Does anyone else have a question? To Fritz, we need a motion. Well. Um, we do need to make a, a the, the grant money is important if that's going to be, uh, you know, in order to, to possibly obtain it. So, you know, this month is critical. We do need to have a motion for uh, moving forward. As building and grounds chair, I do make a, a motion that we do accept and proceed uh, with uh, the IGA agreement. I'll second. Okay. We have a motion made and seconded. Are there any further remarks? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? No. Need a poll, please. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? No. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. That is eight yes, one no, and zero abstentions. Okay. The motion passes by a majority vote. Thank you very much. Thank you. Look forward to working with everyone. Need a motion to table uh, administrative positions and administrative salaries until so after moved. executive session. Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Committee reports, uh, athletic fields oversight, <laughs> building and grants, Mr. Fritz. Well, there was, uh, there was no committee meeting. Um, I do want to relay, though, information regarding some repairs recently. Uh, both Howard Tienis and uh, uh, East Millsboro uh, had some repairs that have been uh, conducted and uh, completed. Both buildings should be uh, up and uh, running at this time. I did personally tour uh, Howard Tienis with Mr. Booth and uh, that was right before the reopening uh, of the building. Uh, it has passed uh, inspection with the environmental uh, individual. So, uh, you know, that's took up a lot of time, those, those two buildings. That's it. 
Any questions? Comprehensive school safety, Mr. Layfield? We did not have a meeting, but we do have district-wide mandated tabletop scheduled for February, so we'll be able to reporting on them in the future. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. Next item is finance. That'll be covered when Mrs. Steele gives her report. Curriculum, Mr. Hudson? No, no meeting scheduled for January. Mary Bailey scholarship? Nothing to report. Thank you. Special Education Task Force, Dr. Stadler. Uh, we have a few updates. Staff surveys have been sent to all focus schools, and so far we have received about 200-plus responses. Um, obviously, this information will help us to identify best practices and also the areas in need of strengthening. So we encourage um, folks to continue to fill out those surveys and provide us that feedback. Compliance monitoring at our focus schools is also underway. Obviously, this is a labor-intensive process, but certainly will allow us an opportunity to ensure that what is being stated in an IEP is actually occurring in a classroom. And to back up a step, that IEPs are properly addressing a student's needs. Uh, the task force considers this a very proactive approach and will certainly benefit our students. Special education staff have a profes uh, professional development day this Friday. Uh, we want to encourage principals to allow these folks an opportunity to participate, if possible. They will be discussing uh, the utilization of an evaluation summary report in the development of an IEP, and this is a very, very important topic for our folks. The task force will be hosting an event in February for last year's ambassadors to spend time with us to reflect on their experiences and to provide feedback and guidance and direction. These are certainly our building experts and we feel this will be a good experience for them. Finally, a reminder that the Special Education Week will be held the week of February 26th. Nominations will go out tomorrow to all of our buildings. For anyone to nominate someone who they think embodies the spirit of a special education ambassador, um, being a champion or advocate. This can be a teacher, a coach, a mentor, an administrator, a librarian, anyone um, in our buildings. We are also this year hoping to honor a community member or a group as a special education ambassador um, as well. So information will be posted tomorrow on our district website and we're really excited to honor these folks in February. Thank you. Are there any questions? Thank you. Policy, Mr. Collins. Nothing to report. IREA rep. Good evening. Um, we're officially halfway through the school year, and uh, so far we've been able to work together to overcome many challenges. Uh, one in particular that continues to surface is the need for time. Um, dealing with the mandated state trainings and the IEP meetings and everything around that. Um, we are looking forward, um, though, to assisting in the development of next year's calendar um, so we can help overcome these issues as the state continues to drop these requirements on us. Um, I think that if we work together developing this calendar, um, we can definitely overcome a lot of these issues that they've handed us. Um, I wanted to announce also we're having our um, scholarship fundraiser for the uh, IRSD students um, in March. It's gonna be at the Millsboro Fire Hall from four to eight. Last year, we raised thousands of dollars um, through the support of the community and, and the faculties. 
Um, so hopefully we'll be able to see you guys there. Um, you the can date? contact anybody um, at the um, in the buildings, the IREA reps, to get tickets and there's fundraisers and that. And um, it's Friday. Um, I think it's March 16th is a Friday. And hopefully everybody can at least swing by and make it. I know Mark. I know you uh, helped promote it a lot last year. Hopefully you can do the same with, you know, administrations. Absolutely invited. All the faculty, the public, everybody's invited to it. It's for the kids. It's not for IRA in particular. Um, next, I just had a couple questions. Just listening to all the conversation dealing with the buildings. Um, I didn't know if there was any any thoughts about um, where you guys have land issues. Did have you looked into? Uh, building up instead of out. I know that there, that the, that's a possibility. They do it all the time. You know, if the footers aren't you know built for that, there's ways to secure the footers, make them better. Um, so that might be some sort of cost analysis to to build up rather than out and trying to get all this other land. Um, also heard that there was a, a you thought that the district office might be better off somewhere centralized in the in the district rather than the southern end southern end. Um, was there any thoughts putting, um, utilizing the portables for the district office? Um, I know that in Georgetown they have a pretty tough time um, having those classrooms, those portables used as classrooms, but the rules might be less stringent if it's used for um, adults in offices rather than students in classrooms. And the build out might be a lot less also for an office. Um, then my last thing was uh, the motion that was just accepted. Um, when they, when you were talking about repurposing, I don't know if they ever really answered the questions that were asked. You know, when they're repurposing a building and they're going to add these costs on, does repurposing mean changing it from a, a middle to an elementary or a middle to a high school, or is it still considered a school? And you're not really repurposing it; it's still classrooms. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they ever really um, answered that question. So that might be one of the questions that need to be asked. I mean, a repurpose to me would be changing it from a school to an office. That might be a repurpose, but changing it from a school to a school is still the same purpose. So it might be a question that you guys need to ask before you move on. Thank you. All right, thank you. Superintendent's report, special uh, activities. Mr. Brown, I've attached uh, activities for uh, January. It's been a, a relatively short month with the days that uh, we've missed. I do want to highlight one Last Tuesday afternoon, I attended the state recognition program. We had Georgetown Middle, Georgetown Elementary, and Sebaville Middle School were all recognized by the state uh, as being a recognition school. They received banners and an $8,000 stipend to be used within their building. That's all. <clears throat> Any questions? Financial reports, Mrs. Steele. We need a motion to pay the regular invoices for the month of December 2017. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Mrs. Steele? Hi. You have um, the detailed financials. I'll go over some of the highlights. Um, we've received 87% of our total budgeted amount of revenue um, and 89% of our discretionary revenue at this point. Um, we've received 91% of the budgeted tax revenue. Just as a reminder, we received the majority of our tax revenue in October, and then after that, it, it trickles in. Um, our expenses were about 50% of the way, or we are 50% of the way through the year, 
and our, um, we've spent 49% of our discretionary expense budget, so we are right on budget. Um, the two largest budgets are salaries and operations, and they are at 49% and 47% respectively. Howard T. Ennis is at 55% of their budget, and the ILCs have spent 44% of their budget. So um, things are going well financially. Um, we have uh, 6.5 million in federal funds still available to be spent in the next 18 months. We have 1 million in student accounts and school donation accounts that we hold as um, custodial accounts for the schools. Our um, only major cap project that we're still working on is the pool pack at Howard T. Ennis. Mm -hmm. And we spent 83,000 on minor cap projects in December. And as of December 1st, we have 1.9 million in minor cap funds um, for the next two years. Okay. Anyone have any questions? The other thing I have is the um, financial position report. Um, this is due February 1st um, to DOE, and it does need to be approved by the board. This basically is um, takes our actual balances as of December 31st, and then you project through um, the first six months of the calendar year till June 30th on um, what your expenses will be, what your revenues will be. And I am showing that at the end of June, we should have approximately $8.8 .8 million in our reserve account. Um, if you remember, when we went through the referendum, we need 12. So um, that is a huge start for us to be that far at the end of this year. Hopefully we can budget for the four million for next year and within two years have recouped where we need to be reserve-wise at the end of the year. Okay, anyone have Anybody any questions? Anybody have any questions? Need a motion to approve this. Uh, motion. Is there a second? Second. second. A motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Communications, Mr. Steele. Uh, we don't have any communication, facility use, or field trip requests for this month. <clears throat> Thank you. We come to item number 10, which would be public comments. Does anyone in the audience wish to make a public comment? I need to correct the date of the fundraiser to 23rd, just so everybody knows I made a mistake. Thank, Thank you. Correcting the date on the fundraiser. Oh, okay. All right. Anyone in the audience? Seeing that, we need a motion for executive oh, session. I do have a question, Charlie, before we go to executive okay. session. Excuse me. Sure. How many days? How many days did we lose because of snow? Four. I know there was a fight, or a little, not a fight. There was a discrepancy with the state of emergency uh, in the state of Delaware. Sussex County didn't get it till way later in the day because Kent and Wilmington were affected as bad as we were. 
Uh, how does that work with state of emergencies and our snow days? Because it's kind of unique with just Sussex County. So unless we ask, Wilmington's not going to worry about catering to Sussex. But I'd like Sussex to at least look. Is, yeah. there, is there some? We've already we've already uh, started that process. We've we've all contacted Dr. Bunning. You know, she's initially looking at a two one one for giving two days for Sussex County, one for Kent, one for Newcastle. However. Uh, one of the things that we are planning is to try to get through the snow season before we go to the state board and ask for those days to be forgiven. So a couple years ago, we went through that process, and I think we had to go back and ask for days to be forgiven two okay. or three times. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Bunning was told not to come back again uh, because they were not going to prove anymore. Now, we have a new state board president. We have a new state board. Uh, I think that attitude would change, but just in the superintendents having uh, email discussions and looking at the threads we have a meeting next week and what we're going to ask is we're going to wait until the end of March uh, when we're pretty much well through the major snow season and then we will request because we may have more days uh, I hate to say this when I was walking out this evening WBOC said the first of uh, February the Arctic blast will be back so instead of asking now and maybe again later we're going to ask once but we will be looking for two days for Sussex County thank you Anyone else? Okay, we need a motion for executive session. So, so moved. Second, second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Now, on the student hearing. Yeah. So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Stain. Call the board, please. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yep. Dr. Hattier? Yep. Mr. Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Abstention. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Okay, that's eight. Yes, zero, no, and one abstention. The motion passes by a majority vote. Personnel agenda, need a motion? So moved. Seconded. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Motion on the personnel addendum. So, so moved. Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Personnel contractual agenda. So moved. Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Mr. Steele. Mr. Barley, I recommend that we um, sign the $52,000 year contract with Selbyville Police Department for their uh, SRO program. Second. Oh, that's a, he can't, he's he not making a motion. I'll make a motion. Just, oh, I'll make a motion. Okay. I'll okay. No, we need a second. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstain. Okay. Pull the board, please. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Upstate. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. We don't Dr. Statler? Else. Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Eight, zero, one. Okay. Motion passes by a majority vote. No further business come before the board. The meeting is adjourned.